Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. With me today is Jim Barnard. He has dealt with disappointment and distress many times, which led to significant depression. His wife, Alicia, had two near-death experiences and was not able to carry a pregnancy to term. How heart-wrenching. This also added to Jim's severe anxiety. But that's only the beginning of the story. Jim is going to share how to turn an impossibility into a possibility. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you for joining me today on Never Ever Give Up Hope. The gentleman here today is Jim Barnard. He has a story that is going to touch you and it is going to excite you because you will see a man who has suffered much with his wife and yet someone who is here to encourage you. When Jim and Alicia started dating and then planning their future together, they took the vow when they got married to support one another through sickness and in health. Very often when couples make that vow, they have no idea that within a matter of months, weeks, their lives could totally and completely change. Three months later, that vow was put to the ultimate test. Welcome, Jim. Carol, it is so good to be here. Thank you for having me today. So my first question to you is, tell us your story, please. Yeah, it's quite a story, all right. Um, Yeah, great introduction. I really appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, when I was getting married 16 years ago, I really had no concept of what I was about to step into. I was naturally really excited about marriage and, uh, you know, had met my wife at church and was just really taken by her. She's super smart and strong-willed. And I, I was I was finding myself having a lot of enthusiasm while also having some fear about what marriage could be. And so I, you know, we dated for a year and a half and I tried to muster up my courage to ask her to marry me. And when when I finally got the courage to ask her to marry me, she said yes. It was a really pathetic uh, you know, proposal. But she said yes, and we had a very short engagement. Uh, it was 10 weeks long because of a venue issue. And that seemed really absurd at the time. Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? But we were able to put together a really great wedding. 
and it was so much fun. Like, <laughs> obviously the best wedding I've ever been to, you know. And then, you know, we, we had all these hopes and expectations for what marriage was going to be. And, you know, my sweet wife, Alicia, you know, being, you know, a, a type A personality and uh, just so much fun and funny and cool. I thought, man, we were just going to crush our life together. And when she got sick three months into our marriage, you know, at first it was like she had the stomach flu or something. She couldn't keep any food down. And so I was like, okay, no big deal. You know, a week, two weeks later, you'll be fine. You know, I didn't think much of it at first. But after a week or two, it just wasn't going away. And we, we started to panic. Like she was vomiting a ton. Wow. So we started going to the emergency room and visiting doctors, trying to get some answers. Like we were quickly very desperate. You know, no one could really like pinpoint what was happening. And we met one really kind GI doctor who wanted to do a ton of tests to try to establish what the what the problem was. But in St. Louis, where we lived at the time, they're just their facility didn't quite have all the greatest, you know, testing materials. So he sent us up to the Mayo Clinic up in Rochester, Minnesota. And, you know, that's, that's, it's a fine town. It's just a terrible place to send sick people in the middle of winter, you know? And so (laughs) Alicia had to spend three months up in, in, uh, in Rochester. And it was awful because I couldn't spend a lot of time up there with her. You know, I had just burned all my vacation time for the wedding and the honeymoon. And so we had friends and family stay with her when I couldn't be up there. But, you know, that Mayo experience was really conflicting for us because, you know, I I was able to go up and and do the first appointment to kind of set the tone for what things were going to be. And, you know, the doctor had 15 minutes with us at the beginning and he just kind of asked us the pat questions Uh about, uh you know, her her history, her background, you know, what's going on. You know, he, he didn't seem to know a lot from, you know, the doctors that we had in St. Louis. And it seemed like he maybe didn't have enough time to read her chart to see what was maybe happening. So a lot of his info was coming from us and that's fine. You know, we did our best to represent ourselves. And over the three months, I can't tell you, Carol, the, the tests that she did were humiliating and hard and excruciating. It's tests like Anal rectal manometry. Doesn't that sound just awful? Oh, exciting. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, She had to do this thing called biofeedback where uh, a a woman would sit underneath her and and teach her how to relax and how to bear down because they thought maybe she had, you know, kind of forgotten how to how to go to the bathroom properly. Like she, it was, it was humiliating. It's so hard. And then at the end of the three months, it was like, okay, we're done. We got through all this. We're finally going to have some answers and some game plan of how we're going to a- approach whatever this problem is. And this doctor, as, as he comes back in, he's like, all right, listen, Alicia, we don't have much time. We just have 15 minutes together. So I just need to cut to the chase. Hmm. And he says, Alicia, I think that you're a ruminator. And I said, like, I, I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. I, you know, I'm sitting there, like, uh, w- like, what kind of medical term is that? And Alicia, being smarter than me, she got it right away, and she's like, uh, I'm sorry. Do you think I'm nuts? Do you think I, I'm crazy or something? And he said, No, not nuts, not crazy. I just think that you've got some things in your life that you quite, you haven't quite dealt with completely, and it oh, might be really goodness. good for you to get some counseling. And if oh, you. We're able to deal with some of these things. The physical problems that you're experiencing would go away. And this was shocking to me. I'm like, hold on, wait, what? Like, 
you don't know my wife, man. Like she's the total package. She is so put together. Like she doesn't have emotional or mental problems, but Carol, in, in this moment, I, I can't speak up. Like, I don't know how to uh-huh, uh-huh. be an advocate for my wife. I don't know how to speak up. And it's one of my life's greatest regrets, honestly, is those 15 minutes just sitting there observing and not doing anything. Now, certainly Alicia didn't actually need my help. She was more than capable of, of standing up for herself. And she's like, doctor, I've, I've seen counselors. I like, I, I don't understand what you're, what you're talking about. Where are you getting this from? And, and he references something that she answered in the first initial 15 minutes, three months prior about how, you know, she had a dad who, you know, was kind of abusive and he's seen this so many times that girls with an abusive dad, they're going to have, you know, these Uh kind of major physical problems. And so we've got to deal with that trauma of, of abuse. And, you know, Alicia defended herself by saying, well, hang on, like, my dad's not a good dude, and, and there might have been, like, abuse between, like, him and my mom, but, uh, you know, it, it was hard for me to deal with, and I don't have a good relationship with him, but truly, I've spent a lot of time processing through that, and, you know, help me understand, what about this test? What about the anorectal manometry? What about the biofeedback? What about the sweat test? What about this and that? And, you know, every time she would ask, he would open up the chart seemingly for the first time. Oh, my like, word. You'd be like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, I don't know. And he just wasn't prepared. He had made a decision and put her through seemingly hell for three months just to say, yeah, it's mental. It's emotional. And he said, all right, I'm sorry, guys. My, my time's up. I need to get on to another patient. If you need a referral for a counselor, let my office know. It was really good to meet you. And, you know, we just had to let him go. We had to sit in that defeat and that drive from Minnesota down to St. Louis was really, really defeating. But to, to pull the story a little bit further, um, got back to St. Louis and that doctor that referred us up to Mayo obviously wanted to hear, you know, what, what happened? What was the outcome? And so we sat down with him and he had all the, you know, reports and charts and test results and we're sitting there and he's taking his time. He's really like looking through this stuff carefully and, um, you know, we kind of shared, you know, his conclusion and I, <laughs> I was terrified, Carol. I, I remember sitting in that room feeling like I was going to puke because I, I really was convinced that, you know, he was going to affirm this expert's right, decision, right. his conclusion, like, yeah, you're, you're a crazy person, Alicia, you know, and then we'd be, you know, out of luck. Like, what do we do? You know, um, I, I kind of secretly hoped that it, it, that she was a ruminator, but I, I knew in my heart that, this wasn't a mental problem. This was a physical problem. And thankfully, the, this doctor broke the tension and, and looked up at Alicia and said, Honey, it is not in your head. It is in your gut. I'm so oh. sorry this doctor was rude to you and dismissive, but I'm really grateful that you had this experience at Mayo because these tests, I would have never been able to get this stuff done, <laughs> at least as quickly as, as you were able to get it done. And now we can start working towards some answers. And, you know, pretty quickly he had identified that the core of her disease, which I should probably explain, right, Carol? Like, what, what is this thing? <laughs> um, it's a disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. 
Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. This story that we are listening to today is absolutely one of a kind. I have never heard of this disease before. And what you and your wife, Jim, and Alicia have gone through is unique. But I also understand from who you are, the little bit that I've gotten to know you online, is you have a phenomenal story to share as far as how you've been victorious as well. So pick it up now by explaining what the disease is and how the diagnosis was arrived. Yeah, perfect. So it's a disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It is a connective tissue disease that you've probably seen in other people. Um, contortionists have it located in their joints. So they've got a hyperflexibility in their joints that allow them to go beyond the natural range of motion. And uh, Alicia's version isn't that cool joint version where you've got some neat party tricks. Her version tends to be localized in her abdomen. So her, mus- her uh, digestive system has no muscle tone pushing food through. And so uh, the reason she was vomiting so much is she would eat something and it would get clogged. And then anything else that she would eat, there would just be, you know, no room in the inn. And so she would just be puking and puking and puking. And, you know, it goes beyond her digestive system. All of her core organs in her abdomen had prolapsed or fallen out of place. And eventually she got cow tissue and meshing and tacks trying to keep everything where it's supposed to be. And so this doctor started to identify all this stuff and he realized that the majority of the disease, the Ehlers-Danlos, was kind of located in the, in the colon. And so he wanted to you know, do a temporary ileostomy where she would have a, a bag to, uh, to you know, mm-hmm. sorry to be crude, but to poop in, like just stuck to the side of her belly. And, you know, if, if they bypassed the colon, would she get better? And she did. And so he removed the colon. And for a season after that, that uh, you know, surgery, Alicia got better. Like she actually was like starting to improve. Oh. I was, you know, getting my wife back. This was so exciting and so promising. When they biopsied the colon, you know, the doctor came and, and told us that it was really interesting. Her colon was, you know, paper thin, but PVC pipe hard. And they oh had never seen a colon like this. He, the, the conclusion was is that if she didn't have her colon removed exactly when it was, she probably would have perforated and gone septic within weeks or months. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. no more than that. Like the colon was you know, that fragile. So it truly was in her gut, not in her head, you know, and, and since then, Carol, she's just continued to go downhill because the disease has spread through her digestive system and 
she's had to go on a liquid diet and, uh, you know, she's gotten so sick and so fragile that she can't drive and she can no longer work. And, you know, things, things are really hard, you know, to where we sit today. My wife is probably a, a measly 67 pounds and, oh my goodness. you know, she's skin and bones and, you know, fragile and, you know, a lot of life is lived on the couch. You know, she, she makes the most of her life on the couch. You know, we try to find adventure wherever we can, but she's pretty limited because of this disease and, you know, you know what, what's happened over this long period of time. It's, it's been insanely hard. I, I wish I could share all the stories with you, but, you know, that's just one example of a story that has just been so hard and, and yet so, like, crazy how, you know, she's been able to fight through this consistently. And they don't have any answers at this point for any kind of treatment or experience with somebody else who has had the same thing? No, ma'am. There's there's really nothing that anyone can do about this because it just, it degenerates your tissue over time. And I know that there's a lot of research happening around Ehlers-Danlos and, you know, there's some, you know, money that's being invested there. And so there's some hope. But at, at this point, all you can do is really try to deal with the symptoms and, you know, cope as best as you can. And uh, to Alicia's credit, she she does a great job. She really, without her, you know, smarts and her strong-willed nature, I, I don't know if she would have survived this long. Like uh-huh, she, uh-huh. she's really advocated well for herself, and her and I have been incredibly united and have chosen hope in the face of suffering, which is obviously profoundly hard. But I just feel like. The same way that, you know, we have a concept for what daytime is because the sun goes away and we experience night. The same thing with suffering and hope. Like, we've got a context for hope because there is suffering. Because the, the hope seems to go away, but, you know, the, the hope is real. It's, it's, it's not actually gone. We have to fight for it. We have to choose it. it we have to be a little proactive. And Alicia's helped me learn that in so many pr- profound ways. I have no words. I'm sure as, I'm sure as you have shared your story and other venues, they probably have responded the same way. Yeah. And absolutely. the fact that both of you have the attitude that you do is a miracle in itself. But what we're going to talk about now is this led you to, with a passion to want to help others. And I'd like you to share that journey, then share with us what Tiller Coaching is. Absolutely. That's a privilege to be able to share that. I I call my, my all, all the suffering that we've gone through, I, I call it an expectation gap. So if you think about it, when I got married, I had high hopes and expectations for what our marriage was going to be like, our life together. And reality came in far underneath those expectations, and the difference between reality and those hopes and expectations, that expectation gap has been full of disappointment and dissatisfaction and distress. It has been unfathomably hard. And you know, for, for a lot of that time, I've, I've chosen to walk through that alone. You know, and that's my own fault. Part of that is depression that you uh, alluded to earlier. You know, some of that is uh, you know, not having necessarily, you know, close friends, you know, 11 years ago when we moved away from St. Louis to Colorado, we didn't know anyone here. Um, it was a really hard season for us to be completely isolated. And I just know that in those expectation gaps, 
those three D's that I described, we should not be walking alone in them. Mm. Like that is the last thing we need to do. And so I, I started this organization where I would give away coaching for others that are experiencing the expectation gap. I've become an expert in how to handle these, these gaps. And it's, it's not easy. And there's no one particular answer of how to, how to handle it. But the one universal truth is that we should not walk alone. And so I get to walk with people in their hurt and their suffering and their gaps. And I just give it away. I, I, I don't charge anyone for, for this kind of coaching. I, I raise my funds to be able to give it away. And it, it really like, it honestly helps me, Carol. Of course. I think the two greatest ways to overcome expectation gaps is one, to have gratitude, just to find gratitude in anything and everything. And I work really hard on a daily basis to do that. But the other way is to serve others. And so this is me serving others. And I overcome my expectation gap by serving others in their expectation gaps. And it's truly the greatest thing I've ever done. I've, I've done it for the last three years now. And it's truly a privilege to walk with, with guys and to walk with couples in the midst of these hard things. Yeah, I've got a website called tillercoaching.org. Anyone can book a, an appointment on there. I keep you know certain hours open and anyone can book a, an appointment free of charge and we'll set up you know, a, a Zoom appointment or if they're local in the Denver area, they can come into my office and we'll just, we'll start by sharing our stories. You know, I will share a fuller story of, of, of suffering and uh, expectation gaps and uh, ask them to, to share their own story and be authentic. I think authenticity uh -huh. is so important uh -huh. for us. And if we can be authentic with each other, we've got a chance of maybe truly walking together and truly overcoming these things. So, um, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And what about your book? Tell us about your book. Oh, my book. I love my book. I actually love and hate my book at the same time because it is, man, 28 chapters of just pain. You know, it is. Uh, it describes hundreds of nights in the hospital, dozens of surgeries, and two near-death experiences where I'm holding my 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 wife just lifeless in my arms and you know scared out of my mind like what is happening right now and uh, just describing how all of these you know hard events were also coupled with absurd happenings and I Carol I you know not to be but so blunt but I, I think those absurd happenings were were God working in our lives and you know, showing us glimpses of hope, mm -hmm. giving us mm -hmm. things to be grateful for. And, you know, I really think that God showed up in absurd ways in our story. And to be able to share that story and to share, you know, all of those different tidbits and thoughts and just even like goofy bits of humor just to break the tension, all of it was really good for me to process. But the response has been tremendous by people that, you know, people are walking through their expectation gaps. Sometimes it's sickness, sometimes it's divorce, sometimes it's it's death, you know, sometimes it's who knows what it is. You know, the, these things, you know, all have a similar element to it and it's that we don't know how to respond and, and you get a, a firsthand look at a husband that has no idea how to respond to any of this. And it's, it was, it was obviously very scary for me and I I just, I really want this book to demonstrate that this is doable, 
that there, that you can overcome. You know, in in my studies, I I learned that couples are so much more likely to divorce when there's a sick spouse. You know, mm-hmm. um, when especially if it's chronic illness. You know, like Alicia has, and when it's the the wife that has the illness, couples are up to seven times more likely to divorce because. Guys just don't know how to do this. You know, we, we choose isolation a lot and we kind of shut down our feelings. And, you know, it was a privilege to share with, with men and couples this story that, yeah, I did that. You know, I buried myself into work and I chose isolation and I figured it out. And I was able to have people come alongside of me and hold my arms up when I'm weak and weary. And it, it, it really is a, a beautiful book. As much as it was hard for me to write, it really turned out fantastic. Do you share other places as well? I, I, I speak anywhere I can. Um, I don't turn down any opportunities. Uh, this past weekend, I shared my story at a church and, uh, you know, got an opportunity to just you know, like uh, sit down with a few people and, and uh, you know, care for them, probably set up a few coaching appointments a- along the way. And, you know, I promote this book on a website called The Suffering Guy. I've got, you know, all the social media. Um, I'm trying to get on as many podcasts as possible. I I just feel an intense calling to share our story, even though it's not easy to share. You know, I right. I, I can get on this and, and be pretty concise and, and share it without a lot of emotions. But at first that wasn't easy for me, Carol. You know, I, I'd share about my, my, my wife seemingly dead in my in my arms and it's like I'm 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 bawling as I tell it. Now the the power has been kind of stripped away. So all of this has helped me immensely and if it's helped other people, it's absolutely worth it. I sincerely thank you for sharing your story with my audience today. I am touched, I am moved. I am so grateful that you feel comfortable enough to share and what an encouragement it is to anyone who may be suffering along with your book and your coaching. You are the poster boy for Never Ever Give Up Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want that, Carol. I mean, honestly, I, I did not want that at all. You know, the, the title of my book is The Suffering Guy. And it was, you know, I for a long time I worked in a church as a pastor. And anytime someone would come to church for the first time, uh, and they might share with like the the person at the welcome booth or something. Uh, hey, I'm I'm checking out church. I'm going through some stuff. You know, my my mom recently died, or I've been diagnosed with cancer, and I'm I'm just kind of checking out church. I'm checking out God right now. And and anytime those stories would be shared, it was like, oh, you should meet Jim. He's 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 the suffering guy. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, he's the one that can help you with that. You know, because no one knows what to do with that. It's like. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm like, are are you okay? Or, you know, whatever. And so people would get passed off to me and it's kind of where all of that desire for coaching came from was like, I was just being confronted with it all the time. I'm like, I I don't want to be the suffering guy. Like, I don't want that to be the thing people know of me. I, I, I wish I was like the guy whose family owned an island. Like that, that story would crush at a party. I, I, I don't want this moniker. <laughs> But it's the one I've been given. It's the story I've been given in my life. So I got to use it, you know, and I think there's so much power in story. Everyone's got a powerful story and we all have to get comfortable uh, learning how to use that. That was an incredible summary to what you have already shared. And I really thank you for sharing that. 
If there's anything else you want to add, please do. Otherwise, we will close and look forward to a good report. I'm, I, 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 I want that. I pray for that. I hope for that. But you know what, Carol? I got to say that even if this ends up the way I assume it's going to, you know, which it could happen any day, I could lose Alicia today, tomorrow, next month. I have no idea. I can tell you today that all of it is worth it. And um, to be able to serve others with the story, I, I just, I, I wouldn't trade anything for it. So it, 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 I know how hard and how absurd that sounds to live with that kind of gratitude, but I can tell you it's real and it's, it, it wasn't easy to get to, but I'm really grateful that I have it now. Thank you again, Jim, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. My pleasure. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.